Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hello, everybody. This is Craig Ferguson, letting you know that my Fancy Rascal Tour continues throughout the fall of 2023. For a full list of dates and tickets, please go to my website, thecraigfergusonshow.com slash tour. My name is Craig Ferguson. The name of this podcast is Joy. I talk to interesting people about what brings them happiness. Here's Diedrich Bader, a great actor who's been in everything you've ever liked. I'm not kidding. Listen to this. Enjoy. When, Diedrich, when I yes. was... <laughs> I knew it! Yeah, it's not about me. It's about you. Uh-huh. It's about you. And I'm just... Yeah, we'll see. No, it is. Because I want to tell... I want to start with this. Because when we were working together on the Drew Carey show and you were paying Oswald Lee Harvey, which is still maybe the best name for a character so, so in a stupid. <laughs> I think it's great. You gotta laugh every time. Well, because it's funny. Yeah. It's, it's stupid and funny. It's yeah. stupid and funny gets funnier the longer you say it. Yeah, that's so true. And, and, but Oswald Lee Harvey, which is on a par with Count Alucard <laughs> as, as a stupid name. But you were playing that fairly early on in the run. Now, I'm going to say, because you were the only person I'd heard of when I started that show. Mm. Because you had done the Beverly Hillbillies. That's you right. played Jethro in the Beverly Hillbillies. And you were really good at it. Well, thank you. And that that was a hit movie, wasn't it? No, that was a bomb. Ah. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been on the Drew Carey show. Yeah. I'd <laughs> oh, be really? a major movie star. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you you can be a movie star and be in a boat. You are a movie star. You're in everything. No, it's, it didn't make enough money to be attractive to hire me. Success breeds success. Oh, okay. And only, people want, only want to be associated with success. Yeah. Yeah. That may explain my life a little bit. <laughs> my friends. So people I see, that's why I have no friends. <laughs> the, um, but you, you were the only one I'd heard of. And I remember, do you remember when we did the full Monty episode of the Drew Carey show? Yes, of course. And we all got naked. Yes. And then we went to Las Vegas on Tim Allen's plane. Yes. And everyone got trashed. I, I got incredibly trashed. You were the drunkest. I like remember I'm saying this and I'm Scottish. Yeah. You're one of the drunkest people I've ever seen. <laughs> the fact that I could stand was I, I was amazed at how drunk you were. Yeah. But you were like walking around being loud with very starey eyes. Yeah. You were very starey dancing. Yeah. And then you threw a, a plastic bottle. I was remembering that this morning. <laughs> yeah. You threw a bottle off the like the top floor of a hotel and it landed Had on the swimming pool. Three stories up. Oh, it was enormous. I was like, yeah. if that... And I just remember sitting to Kathy, who was yeah. the only other person not Sober, drinking. Sober, yeah, yeah. I was like, that could have killed someone, Kathy. <laughs> she said, I know. <laughs> And then we agreed we were the lamest people in Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> that was so fucking dumb. Well, Did, you totally took care of me, by the way. There's no way I would have made it into a hotel room. I I, I was scared. We slept together. We, we, we didn't. <laughs> well, I was. Uh, I mean, I there was, wasn't a lot of sleep in this. No, nobody slept that night. I think no. I slept a little bit. Yeah, you I slept like, a couple hours. Yeah, yeah. but 
I mean, how did you guys do that, given the fact no one was on cocaine, as far as I knew? Or were you guys on cocaine? Oh, no. No, so... No, I, Drew I, wasn't into drugs. He no, was just booze. No, he I was mean, just a boozer. Yeah. And, and not also, much of a boozer, really. No, he was a, kind of a lightweight. But yeah. Ryan Stiles is the Keith Richards of the... Unbelievable. Uh, he has a hollow leg. Yeah, he can and my just problem stand all, and drink. Oh, yeah. My problem was that time, and every time you did see me drunk, was when I tried to keep up with Ryan. I'm not blaming... Um, I take responsibility for how much I drank. Totally. But I don't see, I remember you being drunk that much a couple of no, times. No, but every time that every I time was, you were drunk, it was, it was because fault, I tried. Is what you're saying? Is, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's that I was trying to keep up with him. Yeah. Just as a kind of a guy thing. And once you get into it, then you're like, and then he's just pouring. And he's fun. As you know, he's, he's really very, fun. very fun. Yeah. But here's his trick mm -hmm. when he gets drunk. And yeah. even when he's not drunk, yeah. he doesn't move that much. Have you noticed? He just kind of oh my God. stands That's there. totally his trick. You're right. His, his trick is he doesn't yeah. try and move his legs, no, arms, he doesn't. or no. even face. Yeah. He just like says funny things, he just raises says funny his things. eyebrows yes, a, little bit. a little bit. And it's hilarious. Yeah, and and it gets funnier. And he's very improv -y. Yeah, he's very good at that. Yeah, he's very good. Did you do that improv that whose line is it anyway? I never think? did. But I will say, yeah. the funniest comedic improvisation that I have ever seen, and I've seen a lot, right, was when we had the final Drew Carey Show dinner. And you were invited. We had it on La Cienega at some fancy restaurant. Oh, they yeah. got like a private... Uh, it was a private room. Room. Yeah. And... It was at the end of the ninth season, which you were not on. I wasn't on that. I was only making Saving Grace. I think, you something. were amazing that you showed up. Yeah. But at that point, the cast had gotten so fractious. Only Ryan and I were speaking to each other. <laughs> I think Kathy and I were still yeah, speaking. Yeah, no, no, no. But I mean, as far as everybody that was there. Right. Like, we were still talking to Kathy, but there was a lot of acrimony. It was tense. Yeah. Uh, it was like family at that point. It was like family. That's yeah. my point. And Craig, you were so funny. There was something about the awkwardness of the situation. You literally were the funniest person. Dulcie speaks about this. My wife speaks about this all the time. Really? As being the funniest comedy set anyone has ever done. Because <laughs> there was something about the awkwardness of it yeah. that sparked you. And everything we said that was passive aggressive to each other, you picked up on and made a joke out of. And it was hilarious that's, it was like you were trying to make things better that's exactly like my family life when i was a kid you were just trying to make things better i was just trying to make things better yeah. i swear to god through comedy is, is the scottish thing yeah so it, it's like well and the interesting thing is i also don't remember my childhood <laughs> and i was sober yeah right that's, it's that's, like most of your childhood well not all of it but, yeah. but a fair amount of it yeah. my childhood your childhood is very different though you're like you're dc right you're like yeah. Government, family. Was your father a spy or something? Yeah, I guess I can say that now. Yeah, he was in the CIA. and He was uh, in the CIA, right? He was, yeah. yeah. And uh, he was chief of staff at the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. He ended up being assistant secretary of state during the Clinton administration. So was he, like, did he do black ops and stuff like that? Was he, you know, away from you know, home? He did go away from home. All of the stuff that he did in the field was before I was born. Right. Um, but then he always kept a hand in, and he, oddly enough, he was on the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, uh, better known as the Church Committee, right. and really went after the CIA. And because he was in the CIA at one point, right. he was able to use his contacts for those that were within the CIA who were upset with the way the agency was going. So you, the implication being that there is some corruption in the intelligence community? Because <laughs> no, I frankly shocked. find that hard to believe. <laughs> that anywhere that humans have power, that there would be any kind of form of corruption is unbelievable Yeah, to me. and I think his greatest like claim to fame, the thing that was brought up in his obituary, was that he was the person that supplied uh, Senator Fulbright, the senator from Arkansas, with the information about the Gulf of Tonkin, which made uh, Robert McNamara retire, that it was a lie. Wow. That was in his obituary. So, the, the that, I mean, that's done. a very impressive resume in a very kind of specific world. Yes. And I was always kind of intrigued as how you, why you weren't drawn into that. It feels like a, like the gravitational pull of that kind of thing would be very strong. Were you tempted at that point? No, as a kid? I was never, never tempted. I think because I saw how the sausage was made. Right. The thing that it did prepare me for in Hollywood was something that you had alluded to earlier in this podcast, which is the cyclical nature of a career. 
Right. The shifting sands. My dad liked to call it the magic hat. So if you have the magic hat on, everybody loves you. Yeah. But it's not you. It's the hat. <laughs> yeah. And that's very Hollywood. That's Hollywood. It really is as well. But I mean, your career is, I mean, you have had a stellar career. Thank you. I was quite jealous as I watched you. How go, was that even possible? You're, well, you have an well, amazing you were on career. great shows. You're, you're on oh, Beep, you. which is an amazing show. Beep you're on Bojack, show. which yeah. is like seminal. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like rewriting the no, whole game. No, that's a truly game, great show. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it something? And I would say Better Things was also, I don't know if you saw it, but Better Things is also a good show. I did so not see Better Things, actually. Better Things is a very solid, beautiful show. So it, it, the kind of thing that there's always been a great depth to your work, which I don't think you were used, and I, I feel this a little bit, a couple of actors actually, I didn't see that you getting used that way in the Drew Carey show when you were playing Oswald Lee Harvey. It was a very, it, it was a fun show, but it was kind of two-dimensional in many ways, wasn't oh, it? Oh, no, it was entirely two-dimensional. Yeah. yeah, we were like hothouse flowers. We weren't real people. We were right. just vehicles for jokes. That said... I totally enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Um, well, t not totally, but a lot of it. I, I think enjoyed. I enjoyed it more than you did. I think you probably did. I think that it's funny. I remember... And I, I don't think it was because of the size of the part. You, you had a good part, and you were you were a rock-solid performer. Like, you fucking kicked ass every week. And it, like, rock star every week. So I don't think it was the size of the part. I think it's because you were more ambitious than me. Definitely. I, I, I was. I don't think I still suffer from that, but I did I did have I that think at then. the time. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And from my perspective, I'm not no, I think for No, you. I think you're right. I think that I was looking at you guys and I felt like you were all doing better than me, which is what ambitious people always think. Yeah, right. You know, it's like everybody's doing better than me. Yeah. <laughs> and That's so true. It's, it's like, this yeah. is fucking stupid. Yeah. And then... Like after I had gotten maybe, I don't know, I was about 18 months into the doing the late night show yeah, and I ran into, I think it was Jerry, the director, Jerry, yeah. that was, uh, used to do the show. And he said, wow, yeah, if ever a guy, you know, it was him and Drew, yeah. said, if ever a guy needed a show with his name on it, it's you, Craig. And I went, really? So I'm standing next to Drew, Drew Carey, Carey from the fucking <laughs> Drew Carey show for yeah. nine years. And he's like, yeah, it's different. I went, no, I don't think it's any no, different at all. No, it's not. I was, though. Did you, you didn't suffer from that ambition? Did you not feel that? Like, I mean, you were coming off, like, the Beverly Hillbillies, yeah. big giant movie. Did you not feel, was your ambition not burning hot at that point? Well. I was disappointed by the reaction of the Beverly Hillbillies. I thought I was going to be a movie star for a brief time. And then right. I dipped back into television, frankly, because I ran out of money. And then I only did the Drew Carey show because I was trying to drive. I never told you this story. No, before. I don't know this story. So the Drew Carey show was my second pilot of the season. I was on the revamping of Margaret Cho's show. But then about... I didn't believe in the show. About halfway through the show, my agent like came and said, I have to go. And I was well, like, Well, the Drew Carey show or the Margaret? Margaret Cho show. Margaret and I show, said, right. I, I, how do I get off this show? And he goes, well, you, you're halfway through the pilot. And I was like, yeah, this is really a mistake. Everybody knows it. We're, oh, you know, and, uh, and he goes, okay, well, so, you know, we're going to second position for, with something. So I was like, okay, great. And I tested for a pilot called Partners. Tate Donovan did it and John Cryer got my part. Okay. But anyway... They lowballed me over at Sony. Who I'm right. working for right now, actually on Lucky Hank. You know, they what? totally lowballed. I'm me. working for them too. <laughs> Sony's great. Yeah, yeah, I love they're them. They're my company. favorite people. Yeah, yeah, yeah I love them. Um, but uh, they totally lowballed me, and so uh, I called my agent, and I was like, "That's, I mean, our quotas are. I mean, you, they just have the quote, and they're not coming back." And he goes, "Well, you know, you got to get something else, and we'll just fight them off. You know, Use it way. as a bargaining chip." Yeah. So he goes, "There's this show, a stand-up. Uh, have you heard of Drew Carey?" And I was like, "No." And uh, he goes, well, he did well on this other uh, stand-up show. And I said, I don't watch that stand-up show. Yeah. And uh, um, <laughs> I was such a TV snob. If you remember, like, I'm much better now that I have kids. And it's like... You are one of the people that I would say grew the fuck up uh, since I met them. I mean, you, uh, honestly, I mean, you were never, a, you were always a very nice man. Oh, thank you. But no, you were, but like you grew up it's oh, yeah, so yeah. patently obvious like yeah. when you had your kids you're like yeah. oh no wait a minute yeah no, it's like whole changed, fucking yeah. reset fucking button no, going on changed. anyway so i went on the drew carey show pilot and they wanted to test me so we put them against one another and sony did come up to my quote and so did the drew carey show but and i just showed up for the test and right. i i did it like blah 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 because my test for the sony thing was the same day 
So I just was like, okay, yeah, this is the morning thing. And then I'm going to go, like some people would have a cup of coffee and a shit. And go, I was like, I'm going to test for a show. And then, <laughs> well, the Drew Carey show was kind of like a cup of coffee and a shit was yeah. the whole idea it of the show. The process, yeah. yeah. Uh, the circle of life. <laughs> so, and then I went off to the Sony thing and then I didn't get the Sony thing and I got the Drew Carey show. And my agent called me to tell me I got the Drew Carey show and I yelled at him. I was like, what have you done? <laughs> Jesus that's crazy. And then the show was a hit. Yeah, nine years. It's nine crazy. fucking years. I didn't do the last year. I didn't do the first year either. You didn't do the first year. Yeah, I, I joined after that. I was yeah. only meant to be in for like three episodes or something. The first year wasn't good. And I hope yeah. I'm not crushing fans of the show. But I really didn't like the show. I actually tried to get off the show. Right. In my defense, I had done seven pilots before the Drew Carey show. So I thought, I'll just get another show. Right. And uh, I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. back. Oh my it God, was, thank God yeah. they didn't let me it's out. The it's, yeah, the it's the hat. It's the magic hat. It's the magic hat. So yeah, they didn't let me off. And I wasn't crazy. I loved Drew and I loved Ryan and Kathy was great. Right. But I didn't love the scripts. I didn't love my part. And I thought, this is to speak to what you were saying about the ambition. Right. I thought like, I'm a second banana on a show. I should be the first banana. Yeah. And I should get off the show. Bruce didn't let me off the show. And I'm very grateful for that because... Bruce uh, Helford, who Bruce was Helford the, the showrunner, show yeah. The Cook second year of the I show yeah. was so much better. And I was trapped. And yeah. And, and I, also I had arrived and then everything and you had was arrived. great. Yeah. And I'm not joking about that. It actually made the show happen because you were a great antagonist to him. It was, It made his work sheer fucking hell. You're right. You, there's more sticks to throw at the protagonist. The, yeah. the voiceover thing, it's nothing against Kevin Pollack. He's fantastic. He's a great actor. Yeah, Kevin he's Pollock. great. So, but he was a voice. Yeah. And, and we saw him at the end of the first year. It was a dumb gimmick. Well, he was, yeah, if anyone doesn't know, he was Drew's voice. He was Drew's boss in the first year yeah. of the show. Mm. Uh, but you never really saw him. It was just on a kind of like speakerphone. That's right. Uh, and then he turned up for the last episode. But at that time, and, and Kevin said this to me himself, he said, I was too expensive at the time. They couldn't afford me. So I, I was doing a lot of movies. Yeah. And yeah, he was a legit movie star at the time. Yeah. I think they offered Mr. Wick to uh, Hugh Laurie as well. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, I, I believe so. And, and I think Hugh said, no, I, uh, wow. I'm, I'm better than that. <laughs> that I, would have been a mistake. I don't know. I think he'd have been pretty good. I, I don't think, get me wrong. He's amazing. Yeah, but uh, but I think that that wouldn't have worked. I I think that you were. I think personality wise, it. I think what happened the for me the Drew Carey show was at its best in that second, third, fourth. Those you, are, those, those were the, are the good, best years, good yeah. years. Yeah. yeah, when we were like doing the live episodes and doing the like big musical numbers and all that. And also and, you know, the episode that you were talking about, the Full Monty episode, that's a, that's an excellent episode. It's a great episode, yeah. It's I a mean, really... in that scene when we're all on the couch and you come in and you talk about your addiction to the ponies and <laughs> Oswald thinks that you sleep with ponies. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's so dumb. Remember John Carl Lynch and <laughs> Drew dancing to the harp music yeah, to yes. Wendy as well? It's like... And but there's you look at John Carroll Lynch as well, that yeah. guy who's gone on to like direct these like oh, yeah, yeah. serious movies yeah. and he's like big. And you've done that too. You you carved a legitimate career after yeah. after the yeah. after the show. I think thank you for saying that. that uh, well, it's true. I mean, but none of us were part of that kind of who's line improv world. The way I mean, Ryan did it. It was kind of Ryan and Drew really were who's line. Really, Ryan. Yeah. Let's face it. Well, Drew yeah. was funny because he laughed. And Drew was, was funny because he laughed and he, and he liked being around everybody doing yeah, it. And but he's the, genuinely fun guy. So he is. He's like a nice guy. But, that, but Ryan's the improv genius. Oh my God, he's a genius. Yeah. He's truly incredible. No, they asked me to do the show a number of times. I'm sure they asked you as no, well. No, I don't. Really? I don't think they ever oh, did ask to me that. to do it. Or maybe they asked me to do it once. I, I'm not sure. I like because I'm Scottish. I like to go. They never asked me, <laughs> and they lived to regret it. But I don't think they did live sitting to regret the dark, it. And they probably sitting in the dark. Oh, I'm fine in the dark. I'm fine here, <laughs> sitting in the dark in the dark. They never asked me. Never oh, asked oh. Oh. But I think they probably did ask me. Yeah, probably. I, I'd be shocked if they yeah, didn't. Well, I don't know. I was I was never that comfortable in, weirdly enough, for what I did later on, I was very uncomfortable with improv. That's very uncomfortable with that group improv. I always felt, I can't really do this. It is this. a different beast. It yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, I mean, did you like, did you like the experience of doing it? Um, 
One of my favorite parts about acting is knowing what I'm going to say. Yeah, isn't that great? I love yeah, it. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to say right now. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's a little unnerving, but yeah. if you get to practice what you're going to say, yeah. do it in a high voice, do it in a low yeah. voice. This is Figure my preparation what you're actually for saying. Seeing what you're actually saying, as opposed to what you're saying, all of that, all text analysis, all that kind of stuff you can really dive into, that doesn't happen in life. Yeah, in see, life, we just blurt it out. I think I, I think I just realized why you've done so well as an actor, because you say words like text analysis <laughs> and stuff like that. I'm like, oh God, he's a fucking real actor. I forgot he's a proper actor that does things. This is an official invitation to the Fancy Rascals stand-up show. I, Craig Ferguson, will be performing this fall in your region. You can buy tickets and check out the full list of dates at thecraigfergusonshow.com slash tour. See you there. Or not. You know how you can make your summer vacation better? Is with Cozy Elf's luxurious bedding and loungewear. It's like being at home, but also going away. It's great. And now you can get 35% off. You can get the unmatched softness. It's really as buttery smoothness of Cozy Earth's bedding. It's better than the finest hotels, and you get a really good night's sleep on your travels. And that's important. It's travel-friendly. It's hassle-free. Cozy Earth's bedding comes in adorable totes, making it the perfect companion for your adventures near and far. You can stay cool and comfy during long flights, and you know what that's like, with the Cozy Earth temperature-regulating bamboo joggers and pullover crew. Makes you look cool when you're traveling. I like it. Well, as cool as I can look when I'm traveling. So discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code JOY at checkout and you'll get 35% off. And let them know we sent you after the checkout. Promo code JOY. J-O-Y. JOY. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Look, everybody has stuff that stresses them out and annoys them, and I'm no different from anybody else. For example, I get very irritated that people that wear shoes that look like feet. That's not a big deal, but it's a, it's a big deal to me. Obviously, there are much more important things to get worried about. Get them off your chest. When you keep them bottled up, it starts to affect you negatively. Now, therapy is a safe place to do that. That's what I did. And you figure out what's going on with you, work it through, and then let it go. Let it go, you see, that's what, I, that's what I think. I've done a lot of therapy, and I have to say I'm a very satisfied customer. If you think I'm kind of tense now, you should have seen me before I started. I'm actually, I really do recommend it. If you can do it, you should do it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I'd suggest giving better help a try. It's entirely online, it's designed to be convenient, it's flexible, and it's suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get you matched with, you know, a licensed therapist, a proper one, and then you can switch your therapist at any time for no additional charge. I just think it's a good idea. Give it a shot. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash joypod today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash joypod. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I've trained. Yeah, you had. Did you yeah. train? Yes. Where did you train go? Train. I went to North Carolina School of the Arts. That's, that's in Winston Salem, North that's Carolina. That's pretty fancy, isn't it? It's fancy dancy. Yeah. Yeah. It's fancy dancy. Is that Got so? You good, did you come to Hollywood straight after that, or did you go into theater? I was going to go into theater, and then I got a pilot in between my sophomore and junior year, a western. Uh, we were on vacation in Santa Fe. Met a casting director at a dinner party, short story. 
Long story short, I got cast in this pilot, and then in a western, in a western, That's my fucking dream. It was really in a western. Fun. Uh, honest to God, I was going to be a stage actor before that time. Yeah, but it was so much fun to dress up like a cowboy. Yeah, and and I was SAG, and a lot of my friends that had graduated, who I thought were much more talented than myself, that were in New York and uh, trying to be stage actors, were having a very hard time. And it's um, very difficult the stage world. I think so. It, it was it's even more clicky than Hollywood. It is. I think. Yeah. Um, my father's idea was that I move out here because I'm already SAG, go like Stalin to a five-year plan, and then move to New York if it doesn't work out. And I thought that was a pretty good idea. So I did that. So you, your dad, who's this very interesting government figure, was cool with your going into show business? His idea, it was his idea for me to drop out of North Carolina School of the Arts and just get started. See, he was, pro he was a kind of out-of-the-box thinker then, wasn't he? Yeah, and I think he knew me. Yeah. And he knew that I was going to be, I mean, you know, his thing when, you know, when he brought up the idea, he said, you know, you got a job at a dinner party. I think you'll be okay. And then he paid my rent for the first uh, two years, which really, really helped. That does help. So, yeah, because I didn't need to get a straight job. I worked enough where I could feed myself. This is after the first three or four months when I tried to make it completely on my own. And I had trouble at the beginning. I got a job in two weeks, my second pilot. But I went through the money really, really fast because I thought I, I was made. I thought I paid my dues. It had been two weeks. Yeah. You know, that that's a common thing, though. They used to say, like, the best time to buy a house in L.A. Mm. is just after the TV season starts and mm. shows get start getting canceled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the actors who thought that they were going to be on... Yeah. No, I just burned through it. And, yeah. And, uh, um, you know, I, I bought every type of thing that you could put into your body. Um, <laughs> and uh, as you know, like, you run out of money really quick. Yeah, but well, you... But you you were never like a druggie or anything. No, like that. just You're... weed and and a lot of booze. Yeah, I never even saw you with much in the way of weed. Not like the way weed is now. Like the entire you didn't America see me the... smells like weed all the now. time. I know. Well, I just shot in Vancouver. The Vancouver is so much weed. Like I smelled cigarette smoke, and I was like, "What the hell is that?" Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. It's like yeah. it's like a flashback when you smell just tobacco. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it, I mean. You, New York smells like weed. Most oh, yeah, of LA yeah, yeah. smells like weed. Yeah. Chicago, Denver. Yeah. Oh my God. That's yeah. just like, you can get high just going there. So well, you get I off quit. the plane and you're like, ah. The reason that you didn't see it is that I quit. I had told Dulce when we first Your really got together, of, my wife, of 26 years now? I was going to say, you guys get married when we were doing Drew Carey, right? That's right. Be yeah, between the first, second and third, second and third season. Yeah. She wanted me to quit, and that was basically like, if we go forward, because I smoked a lot. She'd just like put her, it was basically like. She's a very sensible person, Kelsey. Yeah. I always, it's very, one of those, I mean, look, you're married to her, you, you know her better than me. Yeah. Clearly. <laughs> but she always seemed to me to be someone who had their shit together. It was kind yes. of like a, an impressive. Yeah. She kind really of did. organized and person. More than anyone else has, has helped me with my career because of, just not just being encouraging, but also pushing me in a way and disciplining me. See, I, I think that that is very important in a career because my I was much more scattershot and much more ambitious mm. until I met Megan, who we've been together 18 years yeah. and, and, and you knew me before that. Yeah. And all I could think of was that success must be, it must be success and success is a big hit and money. It's not career fulfillment it's not it's, there's no other side to it. it's a two-dimensional thing it's a yeah. one or a zero and i understand that though yeah i think for young people i think it's okay I think yeah it's a, and also it's it's what hollywood tells you yeah there was somebody i talked to i think it was peter medak do you know the director peter medak i know his name peter uh, he directed a lot of episodes of the wire mm, yeah but he made it. a he made a couple of great movies a movie about the craze and he made a movie called The Ruling Class with Peter O'Toole back in the oh, day. Oh, yeah. It's a great movie, oh, right? fantastic. I think that's his first movie. Yeah. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And he's, <laughs> he's forgetting. He talks, talks like, you know, he's sort of, well, for my purposes, he talks like a, you know, a, an old Nazi from a 1950s movie. He doesn't talk like this at all, but yeah, yeah. A, a sort of version of this. Okay. He's like, well, you know, see, it's the singer's Craig. Um, <laughs> you know, the movie Twister makes $150 million. The movie Fanny and Alexander makes, I don't know, what, $50? <laughs> Therefore, the movie Twister is a better movie than Fanny and Alexander. Yes or no? Of course, the answer is no. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and you get, the, I like guys like that. I like guys yeah. like that who, 
who kind of see it. And I think that that comes with age and experience and wearing yeah. the hat and not wearing the hat sometimes. That's right. Yeah. Do you... It's do you, best yeah, if you have a career where you have worn the hat and then you don't wear the hat and then somebody gives you the hat again. Yeah. And that's when you're really appreciative of the hat. That's nice to have it back. Yeah. I think of it, it's kind of like the the Sean Connery Zardoz. Zardoz! Man. Yeah. We bring it up all the time. Yeah, but... But that's like Sean Connery. Yeah, yeah. And yet he's in a mankini at one point. He must have been thinking, what the fuck is Sharp? Yeah. Well, my fucking mankini. And it's a mankini. It's a man, I fucking Jardos. Now, I know that some people love the movie Jardos, but I don't think Sean loved it. I, we were talking about Sean Connery the other day. We totally were. Right, because you met him and I met him. You, uh -huh. When did you meet him? I met him at an awards thing. He was getting a Lifetime Award. This is during the... Uh, right before the hillbillies came out and i had a publicist because it felt like i should right okay um, i understand and uh, so i went to a bunch of parties and uh, one of them was this award that he was given and f Mar maria brown told the story about the director of name of the rose who was supposedly very abusive to basically everybody in the crew and the actors and really just awful and would lose his shit continually which is really a terrible thing for a director That's to do. That's a terrible thing for a You're the one who's supposed to be in control. That's the idea. You're not you allowed to do You shouldn't that. even raise your voice. You really shouldn't. No. Um, but anyway, Connery said nothing through the entire time to this guy. He just did his job, and he talked to the actor. He was fine, but he just did his job. He didn't say anything to the director. And then the director took a big stick and was about to hit a horse that Jesus. wasn't doing what he wanted the horse to do. A horse. Right. And Connery grabbed his wrist and pushed it down. And you could tell that the director really was like fighting. But Connery's a big fella. Mr. Universe. Yeah. So he's holding him down and he goes, not the horse. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> Line, you just... Yeah, okay. Just... <laughs> right yeah. away, Mr. Connery. Yeah. I, I was telling you, my wife, we had only been dating a, a short period of time and yeah. I had to give an award to Sean at some big Hollywood do. Yeah. He's getting and, the word all the time. Yeah, he was getting them every every yeah. week. And, uh, and I was giving him this award. I gave him the award. And then we get introduced afterwards. And Megan's wearing a dress and went over. And yeah. I said, yeah, he said, Craig, it's very nice to meet you. Thanks for the award. That was really very pleasant what you shared. Thank you. And I said, thank you very much, uh, Sean. This is my wife, Megan. And uh, he said, very nice to meet you, Megan. And her tits blush. <laughs> Is that even physically I, possible? I didn't even know that tits could blush. <laughs> yeah. she, she, she just went, oh, oh, and they they lit up like it was fucking Halloween. I'm like, I didn't even know these things could do that. She went, well, they, they don't do it for you, but that's Sean Connery. I was like, oh my God. See, he could make Special women's switch. tits blush. Yeah, that's 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 quite a scale. Yeah, he was fucking great. Yeah, he, yeah. For Fantastic. me, he was he and Billy Conley were kind of like the, the Jackie Robinson thing. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? What, yeah. What, for you was what did you watch when you were a kid and you go I want I want a piece of that I want I want to be able to do that my origin story yeah is that we were living in Paris my dad was a European representative we were living in Paris we were he was a European representative for the Ford Foundation this is shortly after he brought down Robert McNamara fuck it he hell. was told to basically get out of town right um, not so, only can you not have the hat but you better get the fuck out of town for a while yeah, yeah. you really lost the hat yeah. It just rolled down the street. <laughs> You're not going to get yeah. that hat. He ended up being fine, right. um, but but yes, that we he was definitely out. Right. Um, but anyway, I basically just learned English. I was little, and then there was French. Right. And so I was really deeply alienated by the whole thing, and kind of a troubled little kid, little loner, weird kid. What age are you at this point? I am about three and a four, three and a half, four. Okay. And my mom paid for my siblings to take me to the movies. And I very quickly figured out that that was the deal because my sister would bring all of her stone friends and they would, you know, we would go see Fred Astaire movies, which I totally love. But I really loved Charlie Chaplin. How interesting. And there was something about the combination of the pathos, the physical comedy, and just the warmth. Yeah. That I really loved the sweetness. Now, a lot of people think it's too treacly. Buster Keaton is probably for the hardcore fans, and I'm a huge fan, don't get me wrong. Right. For the hardcore fan, he's just comedy. It's it's very little sentiment. But for me, I love the sentiment. I was a little kid, you know, and, and the first one I saw was the kid. So I was like, this guy's oh, they, guy. They, right? this is, and I could hang with this guy yeah, because yeah. he hangs out with kids in so a non-creepy way. Up my little, I worked up a little Charlie Chaplin act in my room and in our apartment. And then, I guess about a year later, we went to the theater, uh, my fake auntie, Auntie Sure, 
took me. And I, Wait, this is my favorite. Andy. Who is you know, fake like, Andy? My mom's oh, your mom's friend. friend. That well, kind of thing. Oh, yeah. I got that, yeah. Um, but anyway, she took me to this one theater that I loved the most because there was a live musical accompaniment. The guy improvised music to whatever was playing. And it was my favorite because it was just like being in the theater in the, in the this, original this times. This is weird because... It, I mean, this sounds like you grew up in the 1920s in Paris. <laughs> this is like, this is what, 1970s? 70, yeah. Yeah. So was, yeah, 70s, somewhere in there. Anyway, so the film burned, got caught and burned. It went on fire? Yeah. And, uh, and everybody booed and the lights came back on. Right. And I ran in between the audience and the screen because nobody boos Charlie Chaplin. Like, I, right. I just wasn't going to allow that to happen. So I jumped in between and I did my little Charlie Chaplin act, the organ player played. And you did it for the audience I in the I did theater? it for the audience. And and the got, French audience. That's French very, audience. And were they good? Did they love you? I got a standing ovation. Jesus, that is so great. <laughs> now I think we have to make a movie of your life <laughs> because that is such it's a good origin great story. origin story. Don't you no, think? It's that, crazy, right? It's lovely. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. Do you actually have memory of it? I mean, do you... I, you know, there's so many questions about recovered memory. I actually did recover this memory right. by watching Chaplin, the biopic with Robert Downey Jr. Right. There is a scene in it where his mother, who's played by Charlie Chaplin's actual daughter, Geraldine Chaplin, right. in the movie plays her own uh, grandmother. Grandmother. Who has a nervous breakdown on stage when Chaplin himself is about three or four. That's right. She, she was very ill. She was mother, extremely yeah. ill. And anyway, she had a nervous breakdown on stage and everybody started to boo. And he thought, no one is going to boo my mother. So he jumped on stage and started doing a pantomime act because he had no act. It was the only thing that he can think of. And I was sitting in the theater and I was like, Frank oh, oh my God. That's amazing. Yeah. And I That's that. amazing. I remember that. And your family remember it? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, but typical of my family, like I called my mom. I was crying. I called my mom and yeah. I thought, I just want to check something because I, I had this incredibly powerful experience. It was like an epiphany for me. And I just want to double check and make sure that it actually happened and that I wasn't making it up. And she went, oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Mm. And I go, did you ever think about telling me that that happened? <laughs> <laughs> she was like, oh, yeah, that yeah, happened. No, that yeah, happened. Yeah. yeah. No, Auntie, sure. There she took you. And I go, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's crazy. And she goes, yes, no, that happened. Do you know the story about Chaplin and Michael Caine? I, I, Michael Caine told no. me this story, which is what, they were f both from the area of the Elephant and Castle in London. Oh, I did Like a very poor slum area in, mm -hmm. in London. And in the 19, late 1960s or 70s, they were knocking down, it must have been in the 70s actually, they were knocking down the Elephant and Castle the area in London. It was called that because it was, it was in the Middle Ages, it was called L'Enfant de Castile. The, the, yeah. But the Londoners couldn't pronounce that. Yeah, so yeah. like, Elephant Castle. Oh, that's hilarious. And it was a Instead big... of the children of the castle. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they were knocking down this area and Michael, who grew up there, was walking around it. And, you know, he thought, I'll go and see it before they knock it down. So very early in the morning, yeah. one Sunday, he's walking around the Elephant Castle. It's all kind of deserted and stuff. Yeah. And he comes around the corner and fucking Charlie Chaplin is there, That's the old man. Bonkers. And he said, Mr. Chaplin, what, what are you doing here? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm doing the voice. That's a good I, I can't do Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> Charlie Chaplin went, mm -mm. <laughs> but I, <laughs> and then you came up. And, <laughs> no, no, please. But the, he said, well, I, I thought I'd come around and look at the old neighborhood before they knocked it down. And the oh. two of them, it, there's something wonderful about that. That's isn't so there? sweet. Uh, two huge, huge stars. Oh my stars. God. And from uh, obviously very different eras. Yeah, but, but still, but then walking around together, sharing a childhood. It's That's a, really fascinating. The both of these people, and this is kind of where I want to lead you a little bit, is yeah. that both of these people for me, I never met Chaplin. I presume you didn't no. either. But I've met and spent time with Michael Caine, who is a fucking diamond of a human being. I've I heard. Mean, he's just amazing. I'm really delighted to hear that. And what's great about him is that he's one of the few people I've met that retains the mystique. I know how films are made. I've made them. You've made them. We've been on them. I know how the sausage is made. But he keeps the glamour. Mm. I wondered for you, is there still an area of this business? Because you've, I mean, you've really proved yourself in this game. Is there still any kind of like, you know, the feeling you used to get when you, you would see the star's handprints? It used to, I used to kind of 
get that and I don't anymore. I'm like, yeah, it's the guy putting his hand in concrete, doesn't matter. You hear stories about people. Is there anyone who still does it for you? That I get starstruck or that I'm just yeah, like maybe starstruck or the... just retains the mystique, who kind of still has the glamour on. Either personally or or but but I'm thinking more personally, like interacting with people. No. No. It's funny that, isn't it? No. I have yet to see the glamour of this business. I too totally worshipped it from an outsider's perspective. Right. I used to go to men's Chinese when I had a particularly intense audition. Yeah. Before I would go and I would stand in Jimmy Stewart's shoe prints at uh, men's Chinese and just, you know, look up at the skies and say, show me the magic, Jim. Show me the magic. Yeah. Because he was my favorite. Right. Of the speaking actors. Um, <laughs> yeah, the so-called talkies. <laughs> as if that'll ever catch on. <laughs> Never! <laughs> um, but I have yet to see glamour. I mean, one moment I think was fairly glamorous. In early screenings of Miss Congeniality 2, I went to, with Dulcie, I should say, we went to a theater way out in like Glendale or something. I can't quite remember right now. But anyway, we went up to where the projectors were. Right. Because that's where Sandy was. And there was Sandra Bullock in the middle of the room on her phone, looking amazing and like a movie star, (laughs) waiting for the lights to go down so she could join the audience. And I think that was the one moment where I was like, that's actually pretty cool. Yeah. It's funny that I, it does go away. Yeah. Cause it's just a lot of desperate people trying to work. I just went, you know what did it to me was late night. Oh, because every night you met everybody yeah. giant star comes in not every night but a lot of times oh, giant yeah. stars come in giant stars come in giant stars come in and the douche to mensch ratio is the same as anywhere else in the world, the world yeah. yeah it's just yeah, like oh people. yeah some guys douches some yeah. guys mensches right. and that's just the way it is yes, right. but there are people for me still who kind of transcend it a little bit okay who's that well robin williams did that for me a little uh, bit even yeah. although we became friendly uh, it, it, there was a still like there there's it seemed to me he had a element. magic yeah. maybe it's genius maybe that's what it is yeah, that yeah, it's yeah. not really about glamour and show business but it's about the next talent. level of real yeah. talent yeah or mm. when you see somebody doing a thing like every now and again I would see that. I could even do it. I could do it. And I'm not saying I could even do it with you, but I can do it with you. Mm-hmm. Like there were times when I would, like when I was watching Bojack, when you turned up in Bojack as the agent's assistant, yeah. I was like, oh, that's fucking gorgeous. Oh, thank you. And it was great. It was, Thanks. I mean, that show for me, I'm such a fan of that show. It's a really great show. And it's yeah. a very dark, strange oh, like, ride. Yeah. And no, I, I don't think, think there's been a darker comedy. Uh, yeah, honestly. I mean, wh- how, bag, I how, who, was, who was it you were working with on that? Bob, the creator of the show, right. and I did a show together called Save Me. Right. That was a total piece of shit. Okay. And he knew it at the time, and I knew it at the time, but he couldn't say anything. But I just talked about it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so he appreciated that yeah. and couldn't wait to get you into yeah. it. When he had his own show, then he brought me in and he was like, your candor was so like refreshing that there was somebody who knew that they were on a piece of shit while they were in it. And uh, It was one of those shows, Bojag, I thought, that you lived in terror of your name turning up in it. Oh, uh, yeah, right. Because he skewered everybody. Yeah, I, mine did. Oh, really? Yeah, I was watching it one day. I was like, I think it's like, it's deep into the season with Bojack's way off base. (laughs) And the reporters are looking for Bojack. Uh And they go to an AA meeting. Yeah. uh And they say, have you seen any celebrities at an AA meeting? And somebody goes, I thought Craig Ferguson was here once. (laughs) And then the reporter says, oh, try to be swanked by association, are you? Uh And I was like, that, that was good. That that's was good. No yeah. bad. Yeah. For a Bojack, Especially since you're not anonymous, you're recovering and you're pretty clear about it. Well, so it's, I, I wasn't, but, he wasn't but outing the, you. But the AA thing is anonymous and yeah, yeah. I don't, I can't and yeah. wouldn't speak no, 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 about no, that. Of course. But, but I, what I mean is that the, he picked the, the one like, uh, yeah, who was in recovery who was up clear oh, no, about was, it, yeah. and then there was, a, there was a whole bunch of people after that as well <laughs> oh, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. he just ran a list That's of really fucking douchebag fucking <laughs> celebrities that have gotten sober yeah. me included yeah, okay. and and I kind of loved it but as as a skewering it wasn't bad it, no, it, it, was, great. it, it wasn't a skewering at all yeah, it was no, okay no, yeah. this is it your moment 
This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks. Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I think if you're an actor the way you're an actor, which I admire greatly, is that I don't see you being you everywhere. Oh, I don't think I'm me anywhere. I hope not. I'm really trying to be somebody else every time. I work really hard at that in breaking up my own rhythms and try to pick up the rhythm of the, with the writing. I really work hard on that. I mean, that's why, I mean, some people don't even know I'm in Napoleon Dynamite because, yeah. uh, um, God, have you still, still got different. those pants? <laughs> Everybody asks me oh, that. Fuck My this. one regret in show business is that I, you didn't I, keep I the left pants? them there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're the greatest fucking pants <laughs> I've ever seen. I picked them out of a lineup. Um, Jerusha, the, who was also the co-writer, but was the, the wife of uh, Jared, the director, was also the costume director right that's okay. how small this it was a pretty was. low budget movie right she showed me three different pairs of pants and i was like <laughs> no that the one. stars and stripes <laughs> yeah. they are amazing so but is that a thing that you do when it comes to like publicity because you're, you're you're happy to sit here and this is you i know you yeah we, oh yeah, yeah i know we're, but really i haven't seen you do a ton of like you did my talk show but i didn't yeah. see i haven't seen you do a ton of them do you do it in purpose or are you not so into i mean it's strange to say this as an actor, but I'm not so into talking about myself. I'd much rather talk about a specific project. And if I do that, then Twitter has kind of changed this. Like, I feel like I... You're uh, quite present on that. Yeah, I, I've seen yeah, that. And yeah. I'm also, it is a side of me. It's the it's the funnier side, the kind of goofier side. Right. But sometimes I open up about other things that I'm actually feeling. Uh, but most of the time I try to be light and airy. I try to be a positive force. Right. And in... Twitter, that's particularly difficult because it's a, it's a dark place. It is a, it is a dark place. It used to be, it was funny, I was talking to Josh Robert Thompson recently mm. about the, who's the guy who did the robot on the yeah. late night show, who's fucking genius. Yeah. And he was, we were talking about how early on Twitter was, was kind of great. It was fun. Yeah, it was very and stuff. It was light yeah. and, the, and it went very dark. And I yeah. think probably it was the, the politics of 2016 and and that that kind of yeah I think it I think it that. predated that a little bit but I think as you were alluding to earlier it's it's the ratio and you know you get a lot of responses from being negative and so That's people true, tend yeah. to yeah be more negative I think just to get the attention 
they equate negative attention and positive attention in the same as way. being the same way. Yeah, I don't. I don't do that. No, no, it's so strange. I, I, negative attention is deeply stressful. Well, for because me. we're performers, right? right? So there's a part of us that wants the audience to laugh. We want that love, right? That's part I'd of also, our, that's your real addiction. If they don't like you, yeah. then you're out of business. It, exactly. And it's also like if we were to stand on stage and people were to literally boo and we got the same like feeling out of that, <laughs> that would be strange. Yeah, that would be, that that would be, be bad. Odd. Boo, boo! Thank you so <laughs> yes. much. Oh, bless you all for coming. <laughs> boo! Boo! Hang him! Throw cabbages! <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, Louis, obviously this is, if it was a visual medium, I would have thrown a cabbage there. <laughs> yes, of course. So I had to we say no cabbages. Yes, of course. What about directing? Oh, I, sometimes I think about it, but other times I'm just so satisfied with what I do. Yeah, um, you I know, think, I think I'd like to th you to think about it more. Though. Really? Yeah, because you have a very good personality for it. Oh, I, you, I mean, even talking about it. Yeah. Like, first of all, you're positive, right? Yeah. And you also, you see things and you do, you do things like text analysis, which yeah. <laughs> a lot of fucking directors could do well doing that. Yeah. But I think also you have this thing I'm going to do a massive name drop okay. right now. Fantastic. All right. So I I was directing this movie. Yeah. And I did a very bad job on it. But I was talking to uh, Warren Beatty before. I had lunch with Warren Beatty. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There he goes. And I had lunch with Warren Beatty because somebody had set us up yeah. on a lunch yeah. uh, so he could help me. Because I was in the movie and I was directing the movie. And yeah. so he was, I said, I need to talk to guys. He's supposed to be that. astonishingly bright. He, uh, he's amazing. Yeah. Clever man. That's what I've heard. Hits on every waitress that serves them. But of course. It, oh, unbelievable. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. It's like Gene Simmons. Yeah, you know, it's, it's yeah. just crazy. And that's I mean, the only I don't, time I don't Gene Simmons and Warren Beatty have been reproved. <laughs> <laughs> I don't <laughs> think he even knows he's doing it. He's like, yeah. you know, you look uh, fabulous. That, this is the greatest omelette I've ever seen. I was like, oh, for God's sake. But, um, <laughs> Shameless. Yeah, unbelievable. I'm yeah. like, I don't even know it's if he's... Unconscious, yeah. I don't even know. Yeah. I don't think he is hitting on these people. I think he's just so... Kind of... He just is. He's Warren Charmingly. Anyway, whatever it is. But he... He was talking about directing. The number one thing he said, don't try and impress anyone. The less you say, the more they're going to be impressed. And that's interesting. He said, because they turn, everybody turns up on the movie set and they've all got a call sheet. And on that call sheet is written in bold type, right at the top, director, and then your name. So they're already impressed. All that's going to happen is you're going to disappoint. Disappoint everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're going to be like, ow. Oh. And I think that you, I, I wouldn't have said this about you when we were doing the Drew Carey show. No, I was out of control then. You weren't out of control. You mm. were younger. Yeah, yeah. And, you. and, and you were a nice guy. And I, do, I, I will, you know, I don't want to hold with any idea that you, there was anything wrong. There was nothing yeah. wrong with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you clearly are a human being who's made a, a transit, who grew up. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, you have stories to tell. Mm. And even when you when you told the story of you as a little kid in Paris, that's a fine bit of visual. We think about it. Thank you. I will. All right, good. I will. So when you're making your movie, yeah. I would like to be angry Parisians. Ah, I don't want this kid in my movie theater. <laughs> I, mean, I think it'd be fine. I think uh, I could do it. I could yeah. throw a mustache you know, or not, depending on what you want. Yeah. So, but just acting then, you don't, you don't see it as a... Well, not, that, that's the wrong thing. I don't mean just acting. You, you, oh, I know what you're saying. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I find my job very complex and it never gets easy in a way where i kind of stop thinking about it i find every day interesting and you know i'm on this new show called lucky hank and right. with bob right with bob, bob, bob Kirk, and right. an incredible cast right and we did one episode, episode five, where we were all together. It's a bottle episode for those people that aren't in show business. It's basically when the show, the studio tells you that we have no more money. And so they do an episode where everybody's caught together. Right. The snowed in episode. Snowed in episode or right. something. You'll see it on TV shows all the time. In show business, they're called bottle episodes. That's just the short thing. So the writers of Lucky Hank, who were exceptionally good, had all of these characters out in the show in the first four episodes. And they were kind of like just a lot of strings. And you didn't know if Hank was the thing that pulled it together or why they were necessarily connected. And in this one episode, they just pull the string and they realize that it's been there the entire time and it pulls everyone together with them. And there's a scene where it's 12 pages at a table. And That's a long it's a time. Very long time. It's like 25 minutes. Or yeah. And so we're just sitting there. Yeah. 
talking and it reinvigorated my sense of my profession and the beauty of it in one day. <laughs> it was great. so beautiful to see all these actors interact and create something new every single take to push each other, but also push the reality of what we're making, get deeper and deeper every take. And one of the things that drives me completely bonkers about those that don't take our mutual profession seriously is when they're off camera and they stop acting. It drives me completely bonkers. Like, I would prefer you not to be there. And I can act to tape. And I have asked for this before. Right. Because actors will just like, you know, they're just giving their line or whatever. They oh, forget. you mean so if the camera's on someone else, uh, right. Camera's I, on the other actor. Right. They're, they're sitting off camera and for looks, basically, so right. that your look looks like. But they're, they're not acting. Yeah. And they barely know their lines or they don't know their lines and they're just reading it. It's so distracting to me. Yeah that I would prefer to have a piece of tape and have the script supervisor read and I will Look act at piece, like it's going to be... Or a tennis be, ball or yeah, something, something like that. Yeah, That it's like, you're the best actor ever. I will make you look good, honest to God, but don't be here right now because <laughs> you're not doing it. <laughs> right. And this ensemble with Bob as the lead, every single take was great. Even when it was coverage of like, you know, just one person had two cameras on them and, and it was their close-up. And there are 10 actors in the scene. Everybody acted their heart out. Bob was crying off camera. Yeah, that's that's just a waste of resources. <laughs> no, he had already done his close-up, but somehow he tapped into something and he just kept going. He just kept tapping into it. Right. And it was he was just 100% there and everyone was right there. It felt magical. But that's part of the attraction, like at the very beginning for a lot of people. That's right. I think is the collegiate band of brothers feel that's right. of what it's like to be in an ensemble cast. That's and exactly right. When you and I were talking, going back to those early days of the Drew Carey show, that second season, third, fourth season, around about that period, maybe yeah. the, the episode 25 to episode of 100, there was a time when I think, we were in that space. I completely agree with that. And and that I think that we was... lost it probably about f mid fifth season, mm -hmm. and then and then we were just doing a job. But for those, it's like the rock and roll movies when they have you know they the band gets together, right? Then they have their peak hits, and they're really great, right? And then they just keep playing, <laughs> yeah, and, and they keep playing, and they and keep playing, and they yeah, keep yeah, playing, yeah, yeah. and then and the inevitable happens. The drummer but, dies, yeah, and the drummer, yeah. the drummer's always gonna die. <laughs> um, but when it's good. It's really beautiful. And yeah. you're like, oh, this is rock and roll. This is really good. Yeah. Like, if one person is off, the band is off. Right. But when they're all together. It all clicks. It's amazing. Yeah, it's beautiful. And, it, and I think that that's kind of odd, even as, as a viewer, when you watch shows, yeah. you can see, like, there are shows that just come out of the gate and they're amazing. Yeah. And then, you know, season 10... Yeah, you know, like you yeah. know, really, yeah. when they introduced was it the Simpsons did the the dog with sunglasses on yeah, a skateboard? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like okay, right, <laughs> okay, right, here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think that there is a kind of lie. Carrie Fisher used to say this, and I think it was a brilliant thing to say, amongst many brilliant things that Carrie yeah, she said. Was smart. Ah, she was wonderful. Oh, did you know her? I knew her a little bit. Yeah, yeah she was. She was very kind bunch of to me. Yeah. When the late night show started, mm -hmm. I had just written a book and. She read it and she... American on purpose? No, before that, it was oh. a novel I wrote called oh. Between the Bridge and the River. And oh. it was a kind of magical realist thing. And oh, it was cool. like, it's never going to make any money or anything yeah. like that. But I really wanted to write it. Yeah, cool. And she read it and she was very positive about it and really kind of introduced me in a way to Hollywood that I hadn't been before. Oh, wow. it was, she was just amazingly supportive. Wow. And she did that for tons of people. That's so cool. Like she had this kind of like artist colony at her house and you would go up and you'd meet like, I met the weirdest people. I'm like about Courtney Love up there. And all that's like, fun. Like, you meet like, not that Courtney Love, well, she is a little weird. I think I'd say that if she was here. I but yeah, I don't think that's a big surprise. No, it's anyone. not. Nobody's surprised Wait, what? <laughs> but, but you, you, I just met a lot, a, a wild array of different people. Yeah, yeah, there, cool. And, and lovely. But she said, when I, put on that metal bikini when I was 24. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I didn't realize I was making a pact with the universe to look like that for the rest of my life. Wow, yeah. And I, you know, it was like, it's a moment in time. Why yeah. can't you let it be that? Yeah. You know, and I think that with a, a sitcom, when it all comes together or a movie that all comes together, yeah. that that's why, you know, when people talk about AI, I'm like, it doesn't frighten me. 
because you know because it's still got there's too much a for the i to matter you know what i fucking mean it's like yeah why is it you know is, like puppet if, shows have been around a very long time yeah i think that you know this is going to be funny because the robot says it's funny yeah good fucking luck robot uh, whitney ballier says that jazz is the sound of surprise and oh, that's fucking great i would say the comedy is that and robin williams used to say the good comedy was jazz no, there we go. Uh, and we all come full circle. That was good. Diedrich, you're a joy. Uh, it's beautiful to talk to you, man. Yeah, it was really fun. Uh, more power to you. I'm really looking forward to seeing Lucky Hank. Thank well. you. Uh, well done. It. Thank you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth, no matter who you are, that mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.